Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian, here as always with Michaela. Michaela, happy belated Mother's Day. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Oh, thank you so much. My weekend was incredible. Thank you. That sounds good. Did you get up to anything exciting or uh, low-key with the family? Or It was a little low-key. Um, I had some, had some drinks with some girlfriends on Saturday who were all excited about Mother's Day weekend, so that was mm-hmm. nice. And then Sunday, I did some gardening because that relaxes me. I listened to some music and I got into the new series on Netflix called The Serpent. I think you've seen it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. I've just done the first couple of episodes and I'm totally hooked. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Jenna Coleman's in it, who I know is, is, you know, one of your favorites. Um, One of a lot of people's favorites. She's wonderful. Um, And and Tahir Rahim, I hope I'm Mm -hmm. saying that right. He was actually nominated for a Golden Globe for the Mauritanian, Mm -hmm. which um, was an excellent film, but it wasn't up for any Oscars. It totally it totally got panned. Um, So that's probably worth everybody's time. Where can they see that? Uh, That's on uh, or the Mauritanian. Um, Yeah. I'd have to look it up because um, I rented it uh, back when uh, we were going through our awards stuff. Yeah, and then it's... It, didn't, it didn't end up getting nominated for any Oscars. But um, yeah, I had to rent it, but I'm pretty sure it's available. Hold, please. Uh, yeah, so that one's not available anywhere for free. So you'd, you'd still have to rent that one. But it, it was really good and definitely worth your time to check out. You know, And his acting in It's Incredible. It has uh, from Silence of the Lambs. Jodie Foster is yes. in it. She plays the other attorney. Um, she's excellent in it. She won the Golden Globe, I believe, for yes, she did. Uh, Best Actress. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. So, yeah, no, and it was really. I'm really liking the Serpent. It's based on true events, and it so far it's really well acted. I'm a true crime junkie, so I thought it was awesome. I also got into some really lame. Well, it's not lame, um, but like if you like mindless entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix also has a plethora of series called Sing On. And so there's oh, an American okay. version. It's basically a karaoke de- street fight. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of fun. That, but they have one for Germany. They have one, I think, for Mexico. They have one for Spain. Oh. And so okay. it's all in a different language, except when they bust out these pop songs, these American pop signs. And th- it's really fun. And so the kiddo likes that. That was much more kid-friendly <laughs> than the serpent but um <laughs> yes yeah, that's what i got into what about you you see anything cool you do anything fun uh i know we didn't we didn't get up to too much uh we'd we'd finished the serpent earlier in the week so we were just kind of catching up uh watched the last episode of the mayor of east town i believe it's called uh which is on uh, hbo um that one's really good i'm uh, really getting into that one um so we're all caught up on that one 
now. I haven't watched the new episode uh, from this week yet, so I still need to do that. Uh, I had a couple drinks. I made myself a Manhattan, which got posted on the Instagram and Facebook, if you saw that. Uh, Pretty easy recipe there. Uh, Two ounces of your whiskey, an ounce of sweet vermouth, and two dashes of bitters, and uh, you're good to go. So I had one of those, and yeah, just a pretty nice uh, weekend all around. But uh, you know what? I think even after a nice weekend, I'm still ready for a vacation. You know, somewhere tropical, like an island off the coast of Costa Rica. Well, if we're headed there, we'd better have a tropical drink first. I'm thinking something tiki. I'm thinking something with like, you know, lots of guava. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking like a bird of paradise. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back and talk about this week's cocktail. This week's cocktail comes directly from the Isla New Bar. It's actually a place, not just an island off the coast of Costa Rica. And yeah. this, it's called Birds of Paradise. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, the island is New Blar, so this is New Bar. Uh, so it's a tiki bar at Universal Studios. Uh, and I, I guess it's, I don't know if it's at both or Orlando and uh, California, but uh, there's one there apparently. And it's Jurassic Park themed. It's in the Jurassic Park land. And you can go on Universal Studios' uh, website. They do a blog, and they actually have some recipes from this bar there. And that's where we got uh, this recipe from. Now, they had two alcoholic drinks, and then I think they had like a Mai Tai, which is uh, a virgin cocktail. So if you wanted to do up one for your youngsters while you're uh, diving into you know, one of the all-time great uh, dinosaur films, you should definitely do that. Uh, but we picked Birds of Prey because... That one, to me, when I was going through the recipes, that one sounded the most delicious. And spoiler, it was real delicious. It was real delicious. <laughs> you know, there's only a few uh, drinks that have this many ingredients that turn out good. Most of them, I, I think, yeah, this is good, but I'm never going to make this on my own. I have I have made this since we first kind of put it together. Um, I've made it maybe three times. And I yeah. made the non-alcoholic version without rum. Uh, for my kiddo who loves it. Um, it's just real, real tasty. I recommend it to everybody. Yeah. And it, it does require a lot of ingredients. You could, you could probably get by with maybe, uh, you know, skimping on a couple of these, but it's just a small amount of each of these. So if you got your juices or you got your rums, uh, your syrups, uh, you're going to be set to go to be able to make up quite a few of these. So especially if, you know, as we get into summer here, if you're doing a pool party or like a tiki party or something like that, uh, this would be a really good drink for that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of ingredients here. So Michaela, why don't you run uh, through everything you're going to need for this one? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you're going to need an ounce and a half of passion fruit rum. You're going to need half an ounce of silver wa- rum or white rum. I believe we just use regular old Bacardi because we have plenty of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we used uh, Bacardi on the passion, the passion fruit, fruit well. rum as well. Yep. Yeah. And uh, half an ounce of passion fruit puree, an ounce of guava puree, half an ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of orgiat syrup, which is an almond syrup. Mm-hmm. Now that I ended up ordering from... Uh, Amazon. So you can get it online. I think you can probably get it at some stores if you have a good store with a good cocktail 
you know, section of, you know, mixers and things, you might be able to find it there. I couldn't find any at our local grocery shops here by me. So I ended up getting it online. So you, so that's one you might have to do a little bit, bit of legwork to track down, but I think it lasts for like five years and you only use like a half an ounce of it. So that bottle is going to, that's going to be able to last Michaela, you know, at least through the month. So at least through the month. Um, I didn't even know what Orgiat syrup was. So I'm real glad that we were able to figure that out (laughs) and buy some because I had no idea. Um, You want some Angostura bitters or just some aromatic bitters because apparently that's the same thing. And you're going to need two dashes of that. And then another ounce of spiced rum. And so you know, again, if you're doing like a big tiki pool party, uh, I recommend figuring out a way to mass batch this mm-hmm. and put everything together um, before serving it. So you're not kind of making this, you know, giant ingredients list for every drink. Um, right. But like you said, because there's so many there's so many ingredients, but there's not a lot of them. If you buy a bottle of everything, you're going to be good to go for th- the whole of your night. Um <laughs> So what you're going to do is you're going to shake everything except the spiced rum and you're going to um, shake it, put it in a glass and then float the spiced rum on top. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually used a really fun kind of tiki dinosaur egg. Yeah. And it was uber, uber great with a wonderful looking bamboo straw. Um, so it totally fit the bill. It was um, it was very Jurassic. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely it definitely fit the mood. The the tiki little mugs that we got, the dinosaur eggs, were really fun. Um, I they came from like barsupply.com or something like that. I I will link to their website where we got those um, on our website, kind of in the show description stuff, so you can uh, see those and take a look at them, and we'll get our our pictures up. But yeah, this this drink was was really fun. I'm not I'm not a big tiki drink guy. I, I guess, I don't know why it's cause I don't like tropical vacations that much really, but, uh, I could see myself getting into, uh, a few of these. So. Yeah. You know, I know your wife loves to like actively relax. Yeah. That's what she calls it. Active mm-hmm. relaxation where you presently like do nothing. And yeah. this is definitely one of those drinks where whether you're in, you know, poolside in on a beach, on a boat, in a hot tub, outside on mother's day with your kids screaming in the background any of those times i think this drink will take you to a very relaxing place and it's doesn't have a lot of alcohol which means you can have a lot of them if you want which is always nice Mm -hmm. yeah it it is important so you do kind of float that spiced rum on top so your first drink is a lot of rum because the straw just kind of goes right through it so you get a big swig of that right off but um you know as the as the drink kind of comes together in your glass and you're drinking through it yeah it's it's really great very tropical and very excellent so uh yeah i would say give this one a try 10 for 10 yes you're welcome america and oh, and thank you, Isla Nubar, because they are the ones who made it. But you're welcome. We're helping get the word out. That's right. Yeah, we're gonna have to travel down there and hit up this bar and and see how ours compared for sure. But well, now we have our drinks ready. We're ready to board the InGen helicopter and make our way down off the coast of Costa Rica. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about this week's film, Jurassic Park. Spoiler warning for Jurassic Park. If you've not yet seen Jurassic Park, you want to press pause right now, go mix yourself up a Birds of Paradise, learn how to buckle up a seatbelt, and join the chaos, because life will find a way on Jurassic Park. 
Yeah, absolutely it will. So uh, we've had you've had plenty of time to see Jurassic Park. So this one came out on June 11th, 1993. Um, it was based on the novel by Michael Crichton, who was pretty uh, big at the time. So had Jurassic Park, yet ER was kind of in its heyday uh, that he uh, did that one as well. I think he was like the producer on that one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was directed by Steven Spielberg. And it stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. Now, Jurassic Park was nominated for three Academy Awards, and it won all three that it was nominated for. So it was uh, one for Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Visual Effects. The surprising one to me was that it did not get a nomination for John Williams for the score. Uh, but on a side note, John Williams won the Oscar for Best Score that year for Schindler's List. So I guess no no love lost for Mr. Williams uh, that year, You know, even though uh, this one didn't get the nomination in that category. Yeah, that was really surprising because I think when you think of some of the most iconic sounds and scores of cinema, especially of, you know, these blockbuster films, you know, it's Star Wars, which was John Williams. It's Jurassic Park, which is John Williams. Um, You know, it's Jaws, which I think is also John Williams. I mean, so it's um, pretty crazy, right? Because there's, he just did a lot of these really epic, uh, well-rounded soundtracks that, you know, today everybody knows what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we picked Jurassic Park because this month, uh, May, 2021, uh, is really, uh, we're doing a whole series on kind of blockbuster films. So we started it with, of course, the biggest one of all, which was Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, following it up with Jurassic Park. What I find interesting is what you said earlier. Um, Michael Crichton was very hot during 1992, 1993. He was very deep in his ER phase. Um, and he, everything he touched turned to gold. Same sort of with Steven Spielberg at the time, because he was doing this and he was also doing Schindler's List. So Mm -hmm. he actually um, had some post-production, gave some post-production credit to George Lucas, who was a good friend of his, um, for doing some of the directorial stuff on Jurassic Park, um, especially when it came to the visual effects, because he was off doing Schindler's List in another country. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting how all of these films kind of uh, and these creators kind of were having a very hot time in their lives and they just spewed out these amazing films <laughs> like yeah. one after another. It was a very exciting time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but yeah, so speaking of exciting times, why don't we get right into this one? So uh, we start out and we're going to see uh, exactly why this island is so dangerous. Uh as the film starts, we're kind of on the island there. It's a dark night. They're bringing in this uh, very fancy-looking animal enclosure you know, on this forklift. They're they're pulling it in, but uh, the animal inside's not too pleased about it. So it ends up sort of knocking this cage off of its track. Uh, we see Muldoon there. He's like the game warden for Jurassic Park, and uh, one of the workers gets pulled into the. Uh, cage and you just slowly see him you know they're trying to hold on to him for dear life but he ends up going into this cage so just kind of setting the precedent here that this is a dangerous place and that accidents are going to happen right and you don't see i think it's important to note if you've not seen this we've we've given you the spoiler warning but you don't see the animal itself so you don't really know what it is and the Mm. way that this scene begins there's a bunch of men who are armed and people in hard hats with the really cool Jurassic Park logo and 
they are staring at these trees that are kind of moving and you think maybe you're going to see an actual dinosaur or a monster and you Mm -hmm. don't, you see that big crate. Right. And so this, this part of the film is terrifying. I remember seeing this. I was one of the first people in uh, Texas uh, who saw it on June 11th, 1993. I still have the ticket stub. Thank you, daddy, for taking me. (laughs) And it was terrifying because you didn't know what kind of dinosaur it was. You just had, Mm -hmm. you, you didn't know. And you know, they're poor, they're holding on to this poor guy's arm and it's just, oh yeah, it's really good. It's very, it's very good way to get your heart raising. Yeah. And <laughs> right before you start a real film. You know? And there's a lot of instances in that. And I think uh, Spielberg probably drew a lot on his experience with Jaws where uh, you kind of know what's happening on a lot of these, you know, animal attacks from the dinosaurs and things, but you don't see it. It's not graphic really in any sort of way. I mean, it's PG 13 and you know, what's going on. You, you can kind of hear what's going on, but a lot of it happens. It's, you know, behind, you know, behind this animal pen or, you know, it's behind some ferns. So you don't really get like good look at exactly what's happening. So it doesn't really ever get gory, but it is still, you know, pretty scary. So. Right. Right. Yeah, and yeah. the scene kind of fades out and then cuts to this dude in a very well-cut suit um, mm-hmm. standing on a raft that's being pulled by like a man in a, with a rope. <laughs> He's yeah. being pulled across some crazy uh, river. Yeah, his name is Gennaro. And we find out later he's the attorney for uh, John Hammond, kind of the attorney, I guess, for Jurassic Park, more or less. But he's there to uh, do a kind of site inspection on this amber mine. And that's how they're getting the DNA for the dinosaurs, we learn a little bit later. But you'll see kind of them doing the excavation there. You'll see a big chunk of the amber with a big mosquito in. Um, And Gennaro's talking to the guy and he says, oh, we need to get some experts. So after I go here, I'm going to go and talk with uh, Dr. Sadler and Dr. Grant. Uh, They're on a dinosaur expedition. And the guy there at the amber mine says, you know, Dr. Grant, you'll never get him out of Montana. Because uh, they're there, they've just uncovered a dinosaur. So that's right. And he says, you know, he's holding up this big piece of amber that's got this mosquito stuck in it. And he says, Grant is like me; he's a digger. Mm-hmm. And which is it's just neat. And it pans over uh, to the actual dig site that's near the Badlands of Montana, which made me happy being a girl from Montana. I thought that was a cool shout out. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, they've got these brushes. And they're gently wiping away the sand as they're uncovering these dinosaur bones. Um, apparently, uh, how this happens is that you kind of chisel away at stuff. Um, but they have this brand new technology, right, where they can uh, kind of send a, like a sonar radar. It's sonar, but it's the earth, not water. I'm not a scientist, okay? But apparently, that's what they do, right? Yeah, they're basically like shooting a shotgun shell down into the ground and just the way that the sound waves bounce off of things, it's kind of sending the image back to this computer. So they're, you know, sort of getting an image of what's down there to see if it's worth, you know, their time to start digging away. And that sort of introduces kind of the theme of all of this, you know, as Dr. Grant's watching this technology, you know, is taking all the fun out of it, you know, it's going to you know put us out of a job if you can just you know, shoot a, shoot a shotgun shell down into the ground and, you know, tells you exactly where everything is. But uh, yeah, he's, he's there uh, learning this new technology Um, and a helicopter is going to fly in and, you know, to everyone's dismay, they've just been working all day for many days, no doubt to, you know, finally brush all of the sand off of this dinosaur skeleton and you'll just see it kind of getting covered right back up. Yep. 
And they also have to protect the dig, right? Because it's a genealogical site. So they don't want anybody to really know much about it until they know exactly what kind of dinosaur it is and how long it's been there and all of that carbon dating and stuff. So um, they're all running around as this helicopter comes in and Dr. Grant played by Sam Neill and his um, partner, who's Dr. Ellie Sadler, played by one amazing Laura Dern. Um, Oscar winner. Oscar winning Laura Dern. If anybody, she won an Oscar. She deserves it. She's amazing. <laughs> if anybody's asking. Uh, so Dr. Grant goes into his kind of, they're in a. Um, yeah, it's in like a, like a double trailer. wide trailer kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, John Hammond's uh, played by Richard Attenborough. Mm-hmm. Um, he is popping the champagne and Dr. Grant's like, we're saving that. What are you doing? Who are you? And uh, John Hammond's character introduces himself. And what he is, is a very rich person, uh, basically, who, yep. um, you know, is the kind of the person that's made this island in the first place that is mm-hmm. Nublar. Um, And he has been paying for Dr. Sattler and Dr. Grant's digs. Uh, well, he's been contributing $50,000 a year. And so they have actually never met him either. So of course, Ellie Sattler comes in and she's like, who's the jerk who, you know, wh- what's going on? And then she gets very embarrassed when she realizes it's John Hammond um, with NGEN. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting fact about Richard Attenborough, you know, he had retired after directing Gandhi, I think in 1982. Um, and so he actually... Um, was brought back out over time and by Spielberg because Spielberg would not let him go, uh, not leave him alone. And he said, you, you're perfect for this role. Can you please just do it? And so he did it, um, which is awesome because it, he got to touch a whole new generation of people, um, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 years after he'd retired. So that was really cool. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine, I guess, uh, Steven Spielberg and I, same page here because I couldn't imagine anyone else saying Jurassic Park the way that he says it. It's so iconic and things. And uh, on another side note, when he's in the trailer, he looks amazing because he's like an eccentric billionaire, basically. So he's wearing like a white linen suit and like a white like hat. It's 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 great. But he's kind of telling him he's laying out the plan. He's like, you know, you know, they say they're saving the champagne for, you know, an important day. And he says that day is today. I guarantee it. And he goes into it. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica, sort of a biological preserve. Um, And he wants them to go to kind of sign off on it is, you know, basically what the uh, insurance adjusters, I guess, are kind of demanding of him. So he wants them to go down there and they say, well, we just, you know, we just uncovered this skeleton. We're here. We're busy working. And he, you know, basically makes them an offer they can't refuse. He's like, well, you know, that's that's great. You just did that, but I'm going to fully fund your dig for the next uh, three years. I think it was so. Uh, yeah, so they say, when when are we leaving? And they're leaving right away. So, and we go from the dig site to basically kind of. I don't know if you would call him the villain of the story, but uh, kind of kind of the bad guy, the guy making bad decisions anyway. So we're going to go to this little cafe um, in Costa Rica. I think it is. So we meet Dennis Nedry. And he's there. He's having a lunch meeting with this guy named Dodgson. And uh, they're there. It must be like some corporate espionage kind of a thing. But they want Dennis Nedry to steal the embryos from these dinosaurs and smuggle them off of the island. And, you know, uh, they're going to pay him pretty handsomely for these embryos. So Yeah, they pay him like a million and a half bucks, right? Yeah, something like that. And um, 
he gets like 750,000 up front and he's like shaking this bag like a kid in a candy store, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. He's yep. so excited. But my this is one of my favorite scenes because of the technology, right? Cuz they want him to somehow steal these embryos for these dinosaurs. And um, they give him this can of shaving cream that like opens, opens, screws out of the bottom and it opens up and it can even be used like they can, he he practices with it and it just looks really cool. And um, it's really funny because, uh, you know, Dennis Nedry is just this kind of bumbling, he's a bigger guy um, and he's just like, you know, I, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. I've got an 18 minute window. I've got, I know exactly what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. um, but then it's time to pay for lunch and, uh, the bill comes, I mean, and they're in, they're in Mexico, I think. Um, or I guess they're in Costa Rica, they're in Costa Rica. So it's not going to be an expensive meal, but mm-hmm. he looks at Dodson. Who's the guy who's given him this stuff and says, don't go cheap on me. Cause that was yeah. Hammond's mistake. Like, <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Yeah. He just got a, he just got a bag of, you know, $750,000 or whatever. And, uh, the still needs to get him to pay for lunch, you know, don't cheap out on me. So, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the cast of characters and we have one more character to meet. So Dr. Sadler, Dr. Grant, John Hammond are on the helicopter there with uh, the attorney yeah. and we, yeah. And we meet uh, Ian Malcolm and he's introduced as a mathematician, which he quickly, you know, kind of corrects and says, chaotician, chaotician. Um, but yeah, so they're there. Surely yeah, you've and- come across this in your equations, any, anybody. And he's this, he looks like this famous mathematician that only wore black. Um, I think he's, uh, and I, his name escapes me. Uh, I should know this as a math person, but he, he's like super cool. Cause he's in this like leather jacket and he's all black and he's in all black. And he's very, he's very Jeff Goldblum because he's like, yeah. <laughs> this is great. It's going to be great. And you know, John Hammond can't stand this guy, right? Yeah, he's kind of voicing his uh, concerns about the island right away. But yeah, he looks looks cool. He's got like black pants on. He's got this black shirt, like unbuttoned all the way down to like his belly button, basically. And you know, got the <laughs> got the sunglasses on. He's got you know, the hairs hair. hairs curled up. He's he's good to go. But uh, so so yeah, so there's a really great shot of the helicopter flying in. You know, towards the island, it gets in, it, you know, kind of sets down, everyone piles out of the helicopter and they get into their Jurassic Park themed Jeeps, which are really awesome, especially in the early 90s when Jeeps were, were the bomb for sure. So, yeah. uh, uh, but yeah, so they all, they all get in there. Uh, you know, the, the lawyer there, Gennaro, he's got some concerns, but there's dinosaurs. But there are dinosaurs. And so that's the first thing that they do, right? Is they're driving through and they stop and Sam Neill's character, Dr. Grant, and he's, he's just, he's got his glasses on, he's got a hat on (laughs) and he kind of looks over and his face is like pure astonishment and fear and amazement. And it's one of my favorite scenes of all time because you have to remember they were doing this all against a blue screen or a green screen at the time. They, they, this, you know, this kind of CGI had never been done before. They did a couple animatronics, but it was not, this scene certainly didn't have any of that. And so it is all based on their acting ability. Mm. And he is just amazed because there's this Brachiosaurus. that's just kind of walking up next to the yeah. car and he's, and uh, Dr. Sadler's in front of uh, him in the passenger seat. And she's like looking at this leaf and she's a paleobotanist, right? So she's like, oh, this, this, 
these plants, they haven't been around in billions of years. How did they do this? And she, and he's like hitting her, trying to get her to move her head. And then she sees, and she's just amazed. And, um, they get out of the car and they, 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 they kind of walk up to see this beautiful valley where there's brachiosauruses and then there's um, stegosauruses in the background. And of course, John Hammond's amazing score of, you know, da na na, you know, yeah. it's just amazing. John Williams score. John Williams, sorry, not John Hammond's. Ugh. Yeah, but but yeah, it's it's amazing. And yeah, like you said, the acting is great because Samuel kind of stands up um, and he does. I always remember it, he does this his thing he kind of reaches up and grabs his sunglasses and he pulls them off just so and it like flips up his hair and then he kind of reaches back and you know puts his hand on uh laura dern's uh character dr sadler's head and just kind of turns her head so she yeah because she's looking at that leaf and you know then she kind of stands up and they spill out of the jeep and uh you know he he ends up kind of uh hyperventilating you know down on the ground and that's when you get you know john hammond saying you know welcome to jurassic park that very famous line and his famous delivery of it. And uh, Dr. Grant's just like, how did you do this? And he simply says, I'll show you. And so we uh, fast forward a bit to the, the visitor center and they're there, they're walking through, there's some skeletons, big banner uh, there when dinosaurs ruled the earth and uh, they're on their way. It's the first kind of ride, I guess, of Jurassic Park. They go in, it's like a little uh, movie theater kind of a thing. And uh, they get up and we're going to learn how they uh, made all these dinosaurs from your blood. <laughs> it's from your, from your blood. That's right. That's, blood. that's what uh, Mr. DNA would have you say. Um, it's it's kind of like it, the, the new age version of the paperclip guy from the Microsoft suite, right? He's yeah. kind of, you know, he comes out and he's, and John Hammond's there and he's supposed to like clone himself using uh, a drop of his blood. Mm-hmm. And they show that, you know, how, a mosquito was alive, would have been alive back millions and billions of years ago, drank blood from a dinosaur, got stuck in the sap. We find it. We're able to, you know, with a tiny, tiny needle, go in and get um, drops of blood. But that's not the whole DNA strand, right? So mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me, um, there are holes in the DNA and they had to figure out how they were going to fill these holes to really be able to recreate and clone these dinosaurs. And so they talk about how they fill these holes with some frogs DNA. Yeah. Yeah. They use some uh, frog DNA to kind of fill in the holes and complete the code at the, the cartoon with Mr. DNA is great. It's like a schoolhouse rocks cartoon. Yeah. Uh, basically it's, it's fantastic, but yeah, they kind of lay all this out and then uh, the seats that they're in kind of start spinning around. So it goes over and it shows them the lab where they're uh, working and yeah. <laughs> You know, Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler, uh, Dr. Malcolm, they're tired of this ride. They want to go down into the lab and see what's going on. So they kind of, you know, push their little lap bars up and get down there and go in. And uh, they do. They go in and there are some dinosaur eggs there. And one of them's about to hatch. And That's it right. does. And uh, you get a, a little baby dinosaur. And what kind of dinosaur is it? It's a velociraptor. Yeah. Which terrifies dr grant um as he's holding it and it's this beautiful moment i mean it's not a cute dinosaur right i mean dinosaurs i mean it's got like claws and teeth but it's still really cute (laughs) and the way they have it actually protrude out and push out of the egg is really cool you know it really has stood up to the test of time i mean you can when you see these scenes they do not look 
like sci- like something that came out of the sci-fi channel. They're still mm-hmm. really, really well done. And it's just a kind of a beautiful moment, but Dr. Grant is holding it and he's like, what, what is this? And um, one of the doctors that's there played by B.D. Wong is, uh, says, well, that's a velociraptor. And he is shocked. And so they say, well, you know, this is really neat. And Dr. John Hammond is like, oh, I've been present for every single birth on this island. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want, I want to meet the dinosaurs when they're babies. It helps them to trust me. And uh, Malcolm, Dr. Malcolm says, well, how, how is that possible? And he says, they said, oh, well, we've engineered all of the dinosaurs to be female. They're female anyway. And so we just deny them the chromosome that gives them the opportunity to, to become male. And uh, that's even more troubling <laughs> to Dr. Malcolm. So so now they ha- we have a couple of issues that we got to talk through, but uh, before we do any of that, you know, <laughs> Dr. Grant needs to see where the raptors are because yeah. they grow up. And, um, you know, that's one of his, I, I don't know if favorites the word, but his, he's most fascinated by that particular species. Yeah, because if we go back to the dig site of Montana, uh, that's the dinosaur that they were digging up. And there's a little kid there uh, who says that, you know, that doesn't look that scary. It looks kind of like a big chicken. Uh, But uh, Dr. Grant has the big velociraptor claw that he's going to terrorize the kid with. So Dr. Grant, you know, knows how dangerous these things probably are, I guess, you know using your imagination for sure. But um, yeah, so he's concerned, but you get a really cool kind of hard cut from Dr. Grant holding this baby Velociraptor to outside and at the Velociraptor pin, uh, making just a terrible noise. And uh, I guess they decide it's a good time, the uh, crew here to see Jurassic Park, probably want to see him get fed. So you'll just see him lowering a giant cow down into uh, this pen of the Velociraptors. And nothing's happening. You don't, it's another one of these instances where you don't see the dinosaurs. You don't see what's happening, but you hear it. You know what's going on. Uh, the leaves on the trees, like the palm ferns and things, are all, you know, swaying as these things are running around. And eventually the kind of sling that the cow was on comes up, but it is all busted. It is not, not going to be holding mangled. any more cows. Yeah. No, no more cows. Uh, I imagine that they had to like, recreate it every time they needed to feed the uh the raptors um yeah it did not it's yeah it it was not good and it really goes to show why this uh movie won best sound because the sounds are visceral and very they do the job because you don't see what's going on but you're you're pretty scared and um they follow that up with some great dialogue um between uh the doctors and the game ward Mm-hmm. Uh, Muldoon, yeah. right? And he's, I think he's Australian. And so he he looks like something out of um, Captain Kangaroo. Like he's got, you know, he's in all khaki. He's in one of those um, kind of safari hats. And mm-hmm. he's he looks like a total badass, right? But he says, you know, they are lethal. These are lethal animals. We, and they're very smart. They're much smarter than we thought they would be. They've been testing the fences. Um, we really should just destroy them all. And yeah. um, we really should rethink that. Uh, so then, of course, after seeing a cow get eaten by a bunch of dinosaurs, the next thing you want to do is have Chilean sea bass. So they, uh, they all go to lunch and yeah. they, John Hammond's favorite uh, chef is there and has prepared this really cool looking meal. It does look very good. I don't think any of them eat it though, because they're too entranced in this philosophical discussions about should they be uh, 
cloning dinosaurs and having them become part of an amusement park for families, you know? Yeah, everyone has concerns. So um, Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler, they have concerns. Ian Malcolm has, you know, his concerns. Uh, But the attorney, you know, having seen these dinosaurs, he's just seeing the dollar signs on the wall. He says something along the lines, we can charge, you know, whatever we want, you know, $2,000 a day, $10,000 a day, people will pay it. And John Hammond says, you know, I, brought all of you know i brought you dinosaur experts and scientists here to the island because i thought you would be on my side but the only one i have on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer so yeah yeah and and it really when you talk about like what this movie actually is about and what it what its main idea is right mal dr malcolm really eloquently talks about it in this scene and he says you know you guys stood on the shoulders of giants and you did all this work and you don't have to take any responsibility for what you're doing and john hammond says no you you don't realize um how much work that the scientists have done and he says no your scientists were so busy wondering if they could do something they didn't stop to wonder whether or not they should mm-hmm. and that's the thing that's scary is just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should <laughs> and uh and he's right <laughs> he, he, it turns out he was completely right yeah and he's right and we're about to find out why he was right in a big way so uh, i guess they finished their lunch where you know no one ate their chilean sea bass which is very sad to see chilean sea bass go to waste like that but uh it's time to go on the actual tour right so this is why you come to jurassic park you want to go on the tour uh they have the very cool green and red I, they're uh, ford explorers i think or something yeah, um, but but they're amazing they don't have any drivers uh they're really cool they have like a cool cd-rom thing in the dashboard which is yeah. really great for 1993 for sure spare no expense that's right and we've and we get to meet uh tim and lex now they are uh john hammond's uh, grandkids and they're there to go on the tour. Uh, seems like a good idea to bring your grandkids on the first tour uh, with all these people. But they're there. Uh, you get a you get a really great scene. Uh, Tim, you know, big dinosaur fan, wants to ride with Dr. Grant. Dr. Grant does not uh, particularly care or want to hang out with this little kid. So he kind of he keeps trying to uh, skirt him, and they end up in in a different car. So yeah, they're out to go on this dinosaur tour. Yeah, yeah, and they. Um... They pass a couple of, of tours, right? They pa- or a couple of sites. And mm. I don't know how this works because it's supposed to be kind of like a really big zoo, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, these enclosures, they've got to be enormous, I think. Uh, and so- I would, I would assume, yeah. I would think so, right? They're not, it's not like a zoo where it's, you know, even like a 40 by 40 space for a jaguar. I mean, these are really big animals. So I'm not, I'm surprised why they're so disappointed and surprised that by, you know, driving along this quarter mile space, they're not able to see the Dilophosaurus, but they mm-hmm. do talk a lot about it, which is good because we see one later, spoiler alert. Um, but they talk about how the Dilophosaurus has this big fan that when it feels threatened, it like fans out around their face and they spit at you. And if you get any of the, their spit on you, you're going to go blind and then become paralyzed before it eats you. And it sounds yeah. really awful, but we don't see one. And then the next uh, dinosaur they have, we also don't see. And so, you know, there's a scene where Dr. Malcolm goes right up to the camera because there's a bunch of cameras on the, in inside the uh, tour car and he says do you actually have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour does this exist and john hammond is watching this from the control room and he's like i hate that man so much (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, and so they yeah they get up to the next pin. It's the Tyrannosaurus Rex pin, uh, and you know no T Rex to be seen. So they're going to try to lure him out. So uh, you get the voice of Arnold, who is played by Samuel L. Jackson, who is amazing um, in this movie. He smokes about ten thousand cigarettes, I think, during during the course of the film. Uh, but he says we're going to try to lure out the Rex, and you'll just see like this cage kind of pop up from the ground and there's a goat in it now i don't i don't i don't know if a goat is that big of a meal for a, a t-rex but uh, i guess it must do the trick um eventually but it doesn't right now and dr grant says something along the lines of you know t-rex doesn't want to be fed he wants to hunt you know it's not you know natural for this guy to just you know <laughs> see a goat just tied to the ground and you know go and uh, go and pick him up so they kind of spend a couple minutes there and you know nothing happens so yep and so they move on to the next, on to the next. And then um, this really interesting uh, exchange between Dr. Sattler, um, played by the amazing Laura Dern, and Dr. Malcolm, because he obviously is attracted to her and she's very polite, um, but she is not having any of it because she is, she is with Dr. Grant. So he's trying to talk to her about chaos theory and he has this water uh, experiment where he puts a drop of water on her hand and we look to try and figure out where the water is going to go and the water doesn't go the same place. And so he's like, this is, this is about chaos theory. This is how it works. And, um, and then Dr. Grant kind of has enough of this and um, they're not seeing any dinosaurs. So Dr. Grant just tries the door as the Ford Explorer is in motion and he gets to leave. And, you know, (laughs) then Dr. Sattler looks at him and sees that, you know, he, is okay and they're not going very fast so she leaves and so then poor dr malcolm is by himself and he says see no one would have thought that i would have been by myself talking about this that's chaos theory yeah Um, that's the essence of of the uh of the chaos theory that's right Um, yeah there's a there's a couple of good exchanges there you also get uh as they're driving through you know waiting to see these dinosaurs dr malcolm he says something along the lines of god creates dinosaur god destroys dinosaur god creates man man destroys god man creates dinosaur and then you get dr sadler says dinosaurs eat man woman inherits the earth so that's like my kind of place yeah. Um, so, yeah but yeah so they so they jump out and you can kind of see off in the distance uh there's a there's a triceratops laying down there um and he's yeah. sick they they see him in the distance that's kind of what prompts them to you know jump out of the cars you know, in the first place and they make their way over to it and you know see this dinosaur it's sick which is really great i think this is an actual um you know, animatronic of yeah. this triceratops it's it's laying there it's breathing it looks absolutely fantastic but uh you know get to get to spend a little bit of time with the dinosaur and that's pretty cool but they don't have too much time to spend with it because tropical storms coming in you know they want everyone to get back on you know back on the tour get back in those cars uh, but dr sadler says well i'd like to stay and you know help the the vet here uh, look into this and he says yeah i'm in a gas powered jeep so i can take you back to the visitor center when we're done so everyone else kind of gets back on the on the uh train there on the mm-hmm. you know the automated cars and uh, laura dern's character ends up staying behind right um yeah so they're gonna go back the way they came this triceratops triceratops scene is one of my favorites um because dr grant it gets very nostalgic he says you know she was my this was my favorite as the kid and it's so beautiful. It's worth saying this triceratops um, that you see, I, they call it a puppet. I don't quite understand how that uh, works. Um, but it, it like nine people had to 
mm-hmm. be uh, inside her or that you were using kind of the electronics that were required. So we had, there was one person who could handle her eyes, um, one person for each leg and then her, her breathing. Cause there's this really cool scene where she's breathing and they're trying to listen. And, um, and the book really goes into uh, a lot more detail around this scene because Dr. Sattler is a paleo, botanist and so she's really upset um that they've got all of these incredibly poisonous um plants that they've picked because they Mm. could clone them but they don't they're not worried about any of the dinosaurs eating these and they're poisonous to them and so she's like you guys you know i need to go and examine the droppings i need to understand why this is you know why this uh triceratops gets is getting sick every six weeks it is, it's really interesting, um, but they can't, they can't stay forever because there is a giant storm that is coming. And so they actually have to go back. So everybody except for Dr. Sattler piles in and goes back the way they came. So they have to go back by the T-Rex paddock. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so they're, they're back in the cars. And you know now is the time Dennis Nedry needs the storm's coming in, so the ship that's supposed to be taking his Barbasol can of uh, dinosaur DNA off of the island, uh, they're getting ready to leave. They have to get out before the storm, so it kind of forces Nedry's hand a little bit. So uh, what he's going to do, his master plan is to run this little program. It's going to turn off the power for, I don't know, it's like like 90 seconds or something, which is just enough time for him to get in and steal the DNA. Uh, What he didn't plan on was this storm coming in, so when he turns the power off, the storm kind of knocks it out, and it's not able to kick back on and turn on the generators. So um, about the time that all this power goes out, the cars are pulling up right in front of the T-Rex pen. And at this point now, storm's rolling in. So it's, you know, pitch black outside. It's pouring down, you know, tropical storm rains. Uh, The goat's still standing there. So I guess that's good. Uh, But Tim finds underneath one of the seats, this really cool pair of night vision goggles. Gennaro, the attorney asked him if they're heavy and he says that they are. And he said, well, that means they're expensive to put them back, but he doesn't do that. He turns them on, you know, whoa, night vision. These are super cool looking uh, night vision goggles for 1993. Brian definitely wanted a pair of those for sure. Um, But yeah. And at this point, uh, Jurassic Park basically turns into a horror movie. So you get like this green uh, glowing screen, where Tim's looking through these night vision glasses and he's kind of panning around the, uh, the T-Rex pen and gets over to where the goat was and the goat's not there. It's just the stake. It's all bent, <laughs> the chains dangling and swinging. And you hear Lex say, where's the goat? And that's when we get the leg of the goat lands right on top of the car. Right on top of the car. Um, yeah. It's really great. Um, Lex, the, the that actress, um, she's like 14 or something in this film. She can scream. She has the best yeah. terrified scream. She does a, she does it a lot and she's very, very good at it. And so, um, yeah, it's not good. So, um, yeah, the- you get, pro- you get probably my, my favorite scene, at, at least of this part. Once, you know, you see the, uh, the leg of the, of the goat kind of lands on the car. Then it goes over and it shows the electrified fence. And you just see like the hand of the T-Rex just kind of pulling down across the, the wires. And then you just see all the wires start snapping and, you know, going out, you hear the, hear the roar of the T-Rex. And that's when we're going to get to see our first uh, shot of uh, this guy. 
or this right. girl, I guess, because all the dinosaurs are supposedly female. So I guess, and she's real angry. Um, she's she not happy. No. She was hungry. That was just a snack. But there's a really, I think it's here actually, where they've got these cups of water, mm-hmm. and it's amazing the way they did this because they wanted you to be able to see the water ripple without and the gla- and the glass of the um, the glass of the car starting to kind of move and shake. Um, but not actually do that in a way where the car is shaking. And so they did a really cool special effects um, thing where they put a string at the bottom of the cup and they strummed it. And so that's what made this really cool wave in mm-hmm. so that you could see the water rippling. Yeah. And uh, apparently it was during a hurricane when Steven Spielberg came up with the idea of having this kind of addition to the scene, which was super cool. Um, so it's, it's, it's not good, um, you know, cause there's two cars and the kids and Gennaro are in one car and then, you know, Malcolm and Grant are in the other car. And so they're having to watch this ginormous T-Rex kind of walk around and, you know, Grant seems to know what kind of vision a T-Rex has. And apparently mm-hmm. this is 100% not true anymore. But at the time they thought that if you were still, um, it would lose you because it had, it, it only would work. Uh, it could only, it only tracked movements yeah. and not it, like colors or. Yeah. It's eyesight was based on vision, at least was the, was the working theory at the time that this was right. made. So, yeah. And so um, he's like, just everybody needs to stay still. Everybody needs to stay still. It's it's very tense. So, like you had mentioned, uh, Gennaro's there with the kids. Uh, Gennaro decides that he needs to get out of that car and get to somewhere so he can hide. So he runs off over to like one of the bathrooms, um, and this dinosaur is is still there, and it eventually starts kind of attacking the car that the kids are in. So you have Doctor Grant and Doctor Malcolm are in you know the other car. Dr. Grant, you know, uses kind of this knowledge about, you know, that their vision was supposedly based on movement. So he gets out and he pops open a flare and he kind of, you know, shakes it a couple of times and then throws the flare. And you'll see the T-Rex kind of start chasing after where this flare went. Um, Dr. Malcolm decides he needs to one-up Dr. Grant in this situation for some reason. So uh, he's going to pop a flare and he just starts running with it. And that's when things really start to go go from bad, go from bad to worse here. So, you know, the dinosaur, you know, grabs uh, Ian Malcolm and uh, throws him into, I guess, this uh, bathroom thing, which knocks the building over. Uh, so that's Completely. not good. Like everything yeah. goes down except for Gennaro, who's sitting on the toilet. He's not yeah. like naked or anything. He's just sitting on the toilet and the T-Rex just takes one look at him and then like bites him, shakes him, eats him. It's really bad. You feel really, I mean, you feel kind of bad. He's a lawyer, so I don't know how bad you really feel, but you feel bad. And Malcolm is like covered in um, bamboo now. Um, Mm -hmm. and you don't know if he's live or not. Right. So you're thinking that both of them are dead and Dr. Grant is trying to get, while this is going on, Dr. Grant is trying to get the kids out of the car. Yeah. The, the car's like flipped over. Um, it's trapped Tim inside of it. He's over, he's able to get, uh, Lex, you know, out of the car. Uh, but Tim's still stuck in there and the, you know, the T-Rex is, you know, thirsty for more i guess so they're so it's going back it's still attacking the car uh with tim inside of it and it eventually ends up kind of knocking it over the embankment of where the t-rex paddock is and it you know falls down and gets stuck in a tree so dr grant um and lex don't have anywhere to go the cars are you know destroyed there's nowhere to go there's no power 
to him. So uh, they need to climb down and see if they can find Tim, if he's okay, if he's still alive in this car that's stuck in this tree. Um, so yeah, so they're making their way down and we find out back at the, you know, kind of visitor center at the main hub there, John Hammond and, you know, Ellie are there and they find out that the car stopped in front of the T-Rex pad. So he asked Muldoon, uh, the game warden, if he'll go and pick up the grandkids, you know, get them out of there. At this time, they don't know that the power's down to all of the fences. They don't know that the T-Rex is down. Uh, he just wants, you know, just wants them to go and get the grandkids and bring them back. Right, right. And uh, he's still saying things like, you know, uh, this is fine. It's going to be fine. You know, this is a minor blip. Um, he's upset uh, a little earlier because you know, they didn't get to see a bunch of the dinosaurs and, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's character says, you know, it could have been a lot worse, man. It could have been, it's could have been a lot worse. So we didn't get to see some dinosaurs. Right. But now it's gotten real. And I think one of the most important things to note from the scene with the dinosaur, um, or with the T-Rex was not to take a giant, flashlight out of a box and light it in the middle <laughs> yeah. of a car i've watched that scene i don't know how many times and i'm tr- i keep trying to look for a reason why lex or tim thought that was a good idea and i just can't do it so um yeah don't do that it is, it is <laughs> uh, well lex turned it on and it's it's just pure panic i mean you have a giant tyrannosaurus rex just standing down over top of your car you don't know what to do you don't you don't yeah, know what you know, the best uh, know, course of I'm action totally is. totally gonna light it i'm totally gonna like set up a light so it can like yeah i don't know i don't know yeah. she's just panicking it's true I sh- i'm not giving her a hard time but yeah. uh but yeah so holy it's, moly it's, there's that really cool scene right where she's got it lit and it's yeah. next to the window and you see the close-up of the eyeball and you yeah. can see the eye dilate i mean that is really yeah. cool yeah, so th- so this scene it's it's a mix of the CGI and you know these big huge uh, T Rex puppets that they use, um, and this you know this movie came out in 1993, which as of today makes it uh, I don't know 18 years old, no 28 years old, 28 how years 28 years old? Oh my gosh, so 28 years old. But I will say because you know we just rewatched this again, actually twice because you and I watched it last weekend and then I watched it again this weekend. Um, 28 years on, this is still probably one of the best uses of CGI in in film for sure. It it looks so fantastic with the T Rex coming out of the pen. You know some of the other some of the other ones don't look quite as good as time is going on, but this one still looks uh, so completely believable and fantastic. So, yeah, for sure. And there's a scene where, you know, they have a, um, in the car before it's turned over, there's a, like a sunroof. And I guess this is a blooper that they kept, but the, the animatronic T-Rex was supposed to kind of scoop down and like hit the, um, hit the top of the car and they would get a close up of the T-Rex and the kids and it would be really scary. Well, apparently it was uh, manhandled a little incorrectly and it ended up breaking this, the, the safety glass. And mm-hmm. so the kids really did scream because they, they thought that there, something was wrong and um, they kept it. They kept that in the scene. It's, it's one of my favorite like uh, action horror scene parts of any movie because it your heart's pounding and still like you said you watch we watched it last week i watched it for mother's day um 
again, it's just so good. And you still, I mean, you know what's going to happen if you've seen it, but it's still heart pounding. And really, it's just a cool scene, really cool scene. So while this is going on, the power's out, dinosaurs are starting to escape. Uh, Dennis Nedry, he's making his move. He's got his, he's got the embryos now. Uh, he was able to get in and steal those, but he's on a time crunch. The boat to get these off the island is leaving. So he's, you know, flying through this tropical storm in this Jeep and, you know, probably on a, a route. He doesn't travel very often. He said that he'd done some test drives of it, but different when you're in a rush and it's storming. So he's going, it's muddy. He ends up, you know, kind of getting lost. There's a fork in the road. He drives through a sign and doesn't really know which way the uh, the arrow is pointing. He kind of gets out and you know, spins it around. It's a pretty great scene, but he ends up getting his Jeep stuck. And, you know, uh, luckily there's a winch on the front of the Jeep, I guess. So he gets out and you know, tries to take that down and put it around a tree. But one of the dinosaurs that we were supposed to have seen earlier in their pen isn't in their pen anymore. It got out. It got out. And it is the lovely Dilophosaurus. Yeah. Um, and he treats it kind of like a dog, which ticks you off as a viewer. You're like, dude, you're so going to get killed and we're not going to care. <laughs> right. Because he's like, here's a stick. You're stupid. Here's a stick. And, and um, you know, uh, the, the physicality I thought was really good because while this character is kind of a larger guy, he's got to mm-hmm. like, you know, he kind of slides down a, a ravine. He grabs hold of this wench, you know, he's doing all this stuff and he's like, ah, my glasses are gone. I can afford more glasses. I'm going to be a millionaire. It's going to be fine. I just got to get on the boat. And, uh, but that Dilophosaurus, man, it's not having any of it. And so it spits on him and it's like this green, brown, black, oil slick i mean it's it's like half sludge half snot it's gross looking and then it gets him right in the face and he tries to get back in the car and he thinks he's going to be fine and the dilophosaurus is in the car waiting for him and it is not fine for him and there's this really cool shot of the barbasol can making its way down the the waterfall and it gets covered in mud and so it i'm waiting i'm waiting for like jurassic world 37 when (laughs) you know in in 2020 you know in 2097 they find it and they're like oh my gosh it's been you know (laughs) they're they're recover the barbasol camp but yeah and this is another one of those instances so we know the dilophosaurus is in the jeep with dennis nedry and we know exactly what's going on but the camera is pulled out away from the jeep so you're just kind of getting it it's like backlit almost you get a little bit of um uh silhouettes of what's going on in there but you don't actually see it so um just another one of those kinds of things so yeah yeah yes so dennis yeah meanwhile dennis nedry doesn't get doesn't get the embryos off he he meets his end uh but luckily tim didn't meet his end he's still he's still okay but he is in the car stuck up in the tree so you know thankfully you know uh, dr grant is there and you know, can kind of tell him to, you know, hang tight, but the Jeep ends up falling, but he ends, he ends up being okay. And about this time, the Jeep with Muldoon and Dr. Sadler show up to get the kids and they show up and one of the cars is missing and every, everyone who is supposed to be in the cars is missing. Uh, so they don't know what's going on. They see that the pen has been basically destroyed and knocked down and they see, you know, one of the, you know, one of the cars is down at the bottom of this ravine. Yeah, it's not good. Um, it's not good. Muldoon is they're they're searching, and it perhaps is not the right thing to do to scream and yell. But Doctor Sattler, Ellie Sattler, is screaming for Alan. She's um, 
they're, they're running around with flashlights trying to figure things out and they see that you know this uh, building has you know, the, where the bathroom was has completely uh, collapsed and they see pieces of Gennaro. So they know that he's mm -hmm. dead. Yeah. Um, but they also find Dr. Malcolm, who is not dead. He um, has a broken leg, they, they think, but um, they, uh, they get him into the Jeep and then they try and go down to see where um, they try to go down the ravine to see where the other Jeep is and see if they can find you know, the kids and Dr. Grant. Uh, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Malcolm is in the Jeep, uh, kind of nursing his wounds. He's like, it's going to be okay. This is, this is bad. And he starts to hear the rumblings and you can see again, um, these really enormous footprints of the mm -hmm. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right. And he can, he can feel the rumble. He's like, that's a, what does he call it? He says, that's a, um, that's a contact tremor or something. Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, that's we we should go. And so you know they go down. Luckily, Muldoon and Doctor Sattler they look and see that there are footprints leaving the scene of the crash. So they're fairly convinced that everybody's still alive, um, mm -hmm. or at least those three are still alive. But they can't find them, and they don't have a lot of time. It's still very dark. There are still live dinosaurs that are hanging out. So they need to get yeah. back uh, to their bunker. So. Well, it's again the comedic jewelry, uh, the comedic gold that is Jeff Goldblum. He sees that they're running, and he's like, "Faster, must go faster! Get in the car. Mm -hmm. We need to go. We need to go right now. We need to go right yeah. now." And they're actually being chased by the dinosaur, by the T Rex. Yeah, he, he gets a really great shot. So the T Rex is chasing the Jeep, you know, down this road as they're trying to get back to the you know visitor center, uh, and it shows the one of the side mirrors of the T-Rex, you know, coming in to basically take a chomp down on them. And you can see across the bottom of the side mirror that says, you know, objects and mirror are closer than <laughs> yeah. they, than they appear. And it looks like, you know, it's right on top of it, but you know, they, they do escape. They make it back to the, uh, to the visitor center. The T-Rex kind of ends his pursuit. He gets, gets too tired. Doesn't want to, doesn't want to mess with those. And then we get kind of a nice uh, sort of quiet moment, right? We just had this big, huge set piece with the, the T-Rex. So we catch back up with Dr. Grant and the kids. Uh, they've made their way up into a tree where they're going to, you know, try to spend the night, maybe get a couple hours of sleep, you know, and wait this out while the, you know, T-Rex settles down before they can, you know, figure out how they're going to make their way back safely to the, to the visitor center. So you get a, a nice scene there with him and the kids, the brachiosauruses are coming in to eat and they're talking about dinosaurs and, uh, you know, Tim's telling a couple of corny, dinosaur jokes so uh they're that's really nice ever, yeah and then kind of uh mirroring that you get uh john hammond and uh dr sattler uh, ellie sattler are back at the visitor center and you know they have all of this ice cream out on the table because you know the power's out so the freezers aren't running so uh it's time to you know eat this ice cream you know probably the best ice cream in the world spare no expense spare no expense and he's telling you know ellie about how he kind of got started and how how he loves, you know, creating these illusions and how when, you know, the power gets restored, everything's going to be completely safe. Um, and, you know, that everything's going to be fine. And, and she kind of, you know, she kind of pushes back on him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because he now, he spared no expense on everything else, but he has like two people running security. And maybe it's because, um, you know, they, were more people and they all left because of the 
hurricane that was coming in or the tropical storm that was coming in, but but there's really only two people. And one of them was Dennis Nidri, who turns out to be a complete spy. And um, But he says, you know, that was a mistake. We're, I, we're, we're not going to rely on automation anymore. It's going to be fine. Um, and Ellie has this amazing scene where she just says, look, you know, the illusion was that you never had control. Like mm-hmm. you never had control over what was, and, and this, this, I know your heart might be in the right place, but now, you know, it's out and people are dying. And I love the subtlety of, she does this really cool thing where she says, you know, she kind of leans back and says, so, and she wipes her face with the back of her hand to like wipe a tear away and then she's really tall so she leans forward with her super long arms and grabs like a scoop of ice cream and tries to diffuse the moment and she says oh you know this tastes really good and of course john hammond is like well i spared no expense like you get a really you get a really cool shot kind of you know in this quiet moment of the gift shop where it's just going over all of the kind of merchandise that they had laid out and stuff yeah. for the park and uh side note so there's a red lunchbox in there i actually had that red lunchbox uh, you for did my, for my uh my school year there in the fall of 1993 uh but yeah it's all laid up and just the you know jurassic park logos so iconic but yeah it's just, just a really great kind of scene uh you know between kind of everyone having this uh moment of quiet here in the midst of all of this uh, chaos right, and yeah right. and yeah he tells her or you know, dr Seiler tells him you know that he never really had control it was all just an illusion and we find out that that's true because when we go back and you know meet up with dr grant and the kids they're coming down out of the tree and they stumble across a nest of uh, dinosaur eggs of these hatched dinosaur eggs you can see the little footprints from the baby dinosaurs and things and dr grant kind of picks one up and uh, is like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess that the plan to have them all female, not, not that good of a plan, I guess. So, right. Yeah. He, he has some, he thinks about it and he says, well, you know, there's some, there are some frogs that can sporadically like change their sex in a single sex environment in order to create life. And, you know, Dr. Malcolm was right. He was, he said it at the beginning, life will find a way. I really find it hard to believe that you guys you know, the, as scientists, you would believe that we would be able to control an all-female environment. So, um, so that's really interesting. So now we have no idea really how many animals are in uh, on this island, um, and now that you know there's still no power, so it's um, it adds more tension for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So Nedry, you know, shut off the power, and he put kind of a. Uh, password on he's hacked into this thing so uh, Arnold is there again that's uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character Um, he's not able to hack into you know Nedry's system to get the power turned back on so they come up with kind of the only plan that they have available to them is that basically they have to just turn off the master power to everything and then they can turn it back on and basically start from scratch on all this it's the old Turn it off. Turn it back turn on. It back, turn it off. Turn it back on. Uh, but that's with what computers. Why not an entire amusement park, right? But but that's what they're going to have to do now. Uh, the the designer of these buildings decided that that building needed to be far away from the building where everything else else was. But uh, but yeah, so they need to they need to get the the power shut down. So Arnold says that he'll he'll go and do that. So okay, so he goes, but. The power never gets turned off. We don't know what happened to Arnold. Uh, probably nothing good. Um, 
but you know, so after they give him some time, uh, Muldoon and Ellie say, well, you know, we're the only ones left. We're going to have to go do that. So, uh, you know, Muldoon grabs himself a very fancy looking shotgun and uh, Ellie goes and they make their way over to this bunker to get the power turned back on. Yeah. And there's this really great scene with Richard Attenborough, right? Where he's like, I should really be going basically because I'm a man. And I love this because she has, she, she has no time for this, right? She's like, look, we can talk about sexism in you know, emergency situations when I yeah, get sec- back in the sexism meantime, in survival situations. Yeah. Right. She's like, I, I, we will, we will talk about this later, you know? And one thing that I think was really interesting about this film is that uh, Dr. Sattler's character is much more broad. She's much more of a badass in this one than mm-hmm. in the book. And, you know, they add some a romance between her and Grant. That did not occur in the book. But um, it just really, uh, you know, I thought, once again, Steven Spielberg is, you know, uh, really cool in that he allowed a woman to, like, really help uh, win the day of the situation, right? And mm-hmm. understand what was going on. It wasn't just men coming in, uh, no offense to all the men, uh, you know, coming in and being the superhero. I thought that that was really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. She definitely holds her own against uh, this cast of guys, yeah, uh, for, for sure. sure. And and the same could be said for uh, Lex as well. I mean, she really, you know, kind of steps up. I, you know, it, at first she's kind of, yeah, more scared and a little bit more reserved in these situations but you know ultimately she ends up uh being brave and saving the day too yeah but yeah so they get they get to the bunker um and you know the powers you know all turn all turned off they're going by the raptor pen you see now that the raptor pen has been uh split wide open because when they turned the master power off to everything they shut down everything even the raptor pen and Muldoon says something to the effect to it you know even nedry knew better than to turn off the raptor pen but when they turned off the whole system you know it shut that one down too so now we have in addition to all the other dinosaurs and the newly hatched dinosaur eggs we also have these three velociraptors that everyone's going to have to deal with so the situation keeps getting more and more dire but ellie sattler gets into the bunker and she gets the power turned back on yes which is great uh except for the fact that uh alan grant and the two kids have been roaming across the wilderness um, trying to figure out where they're trying to get back, right? Now, I don't know exactly why they didn't just follow the road back to the front. Um, I don't know why they did that. Yeah. But they didn't. Well, they were down in in that big ravine, but I would think that there would have been some sort of ladder or something to get back up there maybe i don't i don't know they got down there right so i know we know dr grant and we know dr sattler and muldoon got down there to check it out i don't know i don't know i don't pretend to know these things however it did i guess the last time they were there there was a tyrannosaurus rex so maybe they They were like avoid that that area yeah let's let's go a different way yeah let's go a different way let's do something else i mean and to be fair it does offer some really great scenes of them running with different dinosaurs Mm -hmm. um they they get a great scene of yet again a tyrannosaurus rex you know killing and eating something else it's very traumatizing for lex because she's a vegetarian but um her her acting is so great because she's truly horrified she's not screaming which is good um her screams are just amazing i i still can't get over it but um it's just it's really some really cool scenes in in kind of the interim but they have found uh, a road and it's on the other side of this ginormous 10,000 volt fence so they have to climb it and mm-hmm. you know Lex has made it over Dr. Grant's made it over Tim's taken his time and 
uh, when Ellie turns on the fences, uh, poor Tim gets shocked and he ends up kind of falling off the fence and they have to give him CPR. It's very scary. You think he's going to die, um, but he doesn't. Um, his ears bleeding. It's really gross. Um, yeah. Probably because his eardrum has been exploded, um, but he's okay. Um, but he's, you know, they're very tired. The kids are real worn out. They haven't, you know, they've had a really rough two days. And so um, they end up kind of taking Dr. Grant kind of ends up finding the visitor center and taking them back. Uh, while he does that, Ellie has realized that the Raptors have made their way into this. Yeah, they're into this uh, compound where the power control is. So she's there and she gets it turned on. Uh, and, you know, she thinks that uh, Arnold is there. She feels his hand on her shoulder, but uh, it's just it's just his arm. Uh, he's not there. He uh, he met his end, I guess, for the Velociraptors got in there and now they're coming after Ellie. So it kind of busts through all the conduit and chases her out of there. Um, you get a really she get this kind of neat scene. It's like following her down this like catwalk kind of thing. She's dragging mm -hmm. her flashlight behind her, but she makes it to the door and gets it closed. Um, luckily, you know, just just kind of in the nick of time. Um, you know, and she kind of collapses down in front of the door, you know, to catch her breath. And while this is going on, Muldoon's, you know, he's trying to do his best against the other uh, Velociraptors. So he's kind of hunting one. Um, and he'd made the mention earlier that, you know, you know, you don't really hunt the Velociraptors. They hunt you and they kind of hunt in packs. And, you know, they're, you know, they're really smart. So he's got one kind of in his sights, but, you know, right before he can pull the trigger, the other Velociraptors come up right next to him, you know, silently. Yep. And he kind of turns and says, clever girl, uh, which is really great. And then uh, that's, that's where uh, Muldoon's story ends. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause they, you know, Dr. Grant keeps telling people that they hunt uh, in packs that the Velociraptors are smaller, but they are one of the more smart of all the species. Um, I don't know if that's, if we still believe that's true or not, but he says this exact same scenario basically to this little kid who he's terrorizing at the beginning of the film, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you think that if you stop moving, they won't see you, um, but it doesn't matter because they've been hunting in packs like wolves. And so you're, you've met your end and you don't even know it. Um, really cool scene because as poor Muldoon's being eaten alive, um, like a snake uh, you can see is slithering by um, mm -hmm. the raptor who's been, who he's had his eye on the whole time thinking it was the only one. Um, right. Really cool. So the kids, Dr. Grant has left them, the two kids uh, to, in a room at the visitor center and they have found this buffet of food that um dr ellie and john hammond were eating at and so yeah. they they've they've got plates full of vegetables and cakes and ice cream well lex being the vegetarian she has a very sensible sensible meal right so she has full of salads and fruits and vegetables and tim of course has like nine plates of like chocolate cakes and pudding and and things uh but we get as they're sitting there eating, you know, Tim has, I think it's some jello on his spoon. Um, and he just, or Lex, I'm sorry, Lex has some jello on her spoon and she just starts shaking. And Tim's like, what's going on? And then you see the shadow of the Velociraptor kind of going past the window of the, of the visitor center. Um, right. So, which leads us to 
I don't know if it's my favorite scene, but it's it's certainly up there. I think it's a lot of people's favorite scenes. The kids go into this big commercial kitchen trying to hide from it. They get in there, they turn off all the lights and they're on the ground, you know, hiding behind, you know, some of these, you know, steel tables and all these steel like spatulas and spoons and ladles and things are there. Um, and you'll see the Velociraptors showing off just how smart they are because they get to the door and you'll see them start to trying to trying to open it and they do eventually get the door open they do yeah there's actually uh dr zattler is like oh i've i've taken care of one of them because they're still in that room unless they've opened learned to open doors so uh we actually have three because they all know how to open doors now they're very very smart and uh but this is when lex really shows her her brains right off Mm -hmm. because she kind of sets a trap uh for one of them where there's a mirror well, it's not a mirror. It's, I guess it's the sterling silver walls of the kitchen oh, yeah. cabinets. And she um, is trying to uh, look like she's scared. And, you know, maybe she really was scared, but it's, they see it. And so they're, the Velociraptor hits it and ends up knocking itself out because it goes straight into uh, kind of a, a cabinet instead of uh, grabbing her. And so she and Tim kind of make a way, make their way out of um, this, but again, it really goes into the great sound effects that there are because she's mm-hmm. using spoons and things to try and make noise and they are breathing and they're using their claw, like the middle claw, they're kind of tapping it as if they were tapping nails waiting, you know, yep. um, like I'm, I'm coming to get you just wait. It's, um, again, really, you know, spooky, scary, got, you know, your heart pounding, just an amazing scene. And I think once again, the special effects hold true at no point when i watched this yesterday did i think this is 28 years old right yeah <laughs> so yeah they end up getting into kind of the hub where the control center is and they've reunited with ellie and dr grant right yeah so dr grant and dr sadler you know they get reunited you know while the kids are you know, dealing with these raptors and they all and they you know go back to the visitor center and see lex and tim kind of coming out of the kitchen uh, so yeah, they're together and they end up going down into the command center. Uh, luckily for everyone involved, Lex isn't a big, you know, dinosaur kid like her brother Tim is, uh, but she is big into computers. So she's going to, you know, sit down and, you know, give her, uh, give her shot at, you know, getting all of the systems turned back on the phones and the power and the security systems and all that stuff. And she's able to, to do it. So so that's good. Everything, all of the systems go back online. The phones get back online. Uh, Dr. Grant calls to the other building where John Hammond is. And uh, John Hammond picks up the phone and he just says, Mr. Hammond, your phones are working. And uh, tells him to call the mainland, tell him to send the helicopter. Uh, it's time to go. So it is time to go. And it's interesting. I think this is the only time really when you're looking at the computer stuff that it seems dated because, you know, Lex is excited. She's like, it's a Unix system. I know this. I bet I can find the right file. And these files look like it's 1993. (laughs) So there are Mm -hmm. these visualizations of these like little stacks or they look like little buildings that you have to, you know, link into. And today that you wouldn't need to do that. Right. But, um, but she ends up getting everything working in the visitor center, which is really cool. Um, They end up, uh, you know, while, they're on the phone though. Um, the 
Raptors have broken into the control room. They've they've figured out how to break into the glass. And Mm -hmm. so John Hammond is screaming. He's, uh, you know, he's worried because he, all he hears is a bunch of screaming from the kids and they have to kind of escape this area. So they end up running through the visitor center with all of these dinosaur skeletons kind of in motion. Um, Mm -hmm. And you see the, the Raptors are, um, are chasing and right when you think it, they're going to kill them, uh, the star of the show, the big T-Rex runs in again and starts to fight with the raptors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as they're fighting, you know, the T-Rex is grabbing them and he's getting picking them off one by one. And then the dinosaur skeletons are getting knocked all over the place. And again, it's pretty good special effects, right? It looks really good. And as the end you know, the end of this and all of the raptors are kind of dead and the Tyrannosaurus Rex is making this one big like roar, you know, the flag of, uh, that was up at the top of the room that said, you know, when dinosaurs walk the earth kind of makes its way over mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of waves over. It's a really, really cool end scene, um, with the dinosaurs because, uh, it, 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 it really, was probably like that you know <laughs> it's like right they got an up close and personal you know look at what it was like to be in the middle of a, of a war between <laughs> raptors and t-rexes yeah it was it was very fitting to kind of have this last little dinosaur battle and then you know framed in with kind of the t-rex and the you know when dinosaurs ruled the earth uh banner falling down just to kind of frame it in because i this movie is fantastic and the acting is fantastic and the directing is fantastic, but really everyone was there for the dinosaurs. They were so new and the special effects were so new and so spectacularly done. It was, it was nice to just give them kind of a, a moment, you know, completely in the spotlight, you know, no, no human characters there, just this you know, big uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. So, right. but yeah, but yeah, so he came in, saved the day and, you know, it's time for everyone else to get off the Island. So they're going out, John Hammond is there uh, with with a car to take them down to get to the or the helicopters come into land. And Dr. Grant says, Mr. Hammond, I've decided not to endorse your park. <laughs> and, uh, and John Hammond says, me too. And, you know, they get in the car and then, you know, we see them in the helicopters. They're flying uh, away from the island. Right. Yeah, it's it's a moment too. right before they get into the helicopter. John Hammond's taking one look out and you can see he's the, the real sorrow on his face. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. Dr. Grant kind of comes over and pats him on the back and is like, it's all right. I mean, he doesn't say anything, but it's like, it's going to be okay. Um, bunch of people are dead, but it's cool. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let's get on the helicopter. We got to go, you know, gotta, and time uh, to go. there's a the really beautiful kind of quiet. Again, the score is just amazing. So there's this beautiful kind of piano melody, um, that you hear and it's a very lullabyish version of the score and mm-hmm. you know dr sattler's looking at dr grant and they're looking at uh, the kids who you know dr grant had said at the very beginning of the film he's like i don't like kids i don't want kids i don't know why you would want kids ellie like i think this is this is not for me um but they all they're all kind of holding his hand and he's hanging on to them and um and they look outside and dr grant sees a bunch of birds flying off the island and they're pelicans, mm-hmm. but his whole idea of, hey, they're on this island. They, you know, he believes that they uh, kind of became birds, right, over the course of billions and millions of years. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just kind of interesting. And you always think at the end of this film, hey, what what happens if they do get off the island? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. How, <laughs> how would that go down? Um, and then it ends and you get the amazing Jurassic Park font, which should be a font on our Microsoft suite. Uh, Bill Gates, get that together, figure it out, because yeah. it should be something we should we should have. Um, you should somebody should market it because it's the coolest font ever. It's so iconic. And uh, and then the credits roll. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's where that's where the film ends. Uh, that's not where the Jurassic Park story ends because, you know, we ended up with Jurassic Park 2 and 3 and Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom um, and probably lots more Jurassic Park still to head our way. Uh, Michaela, take a, take everyone back to 1993. You said that you saw this opening day. Uh, yeah. what, what was that like? Can you even remember that far back? Because I, I can, can just so, barely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can. I actually have a pretty good memory of this day. It was a Saturday morning. Um, and I, my dad and I drove, my dad drove me in his old, blue Oldsmobile um, to the, the Santicos Theater in San Antonio. Um, it was the Santicos 10 off of Bandera Road. And, oh. um, and we sat in line. Not a this sponsor, before, could be. Not a sponsor, not a sponsor, could be, should be. We um, sat in line, we stood in line for a long time. Uh, we got a very large popcorn and a, very la- a couple very large drinks. Um, you know, popcorn usually, you know, lasts through the whole film. We were done. I mean, we waited a long time. So I think we ended up getting a free refill. Um, this was back before you could buy tickets online because the internet wasn't really a thing. Um, mm. then, I mean, it wasn't a thing for normal people anyway. And it was, a uh, it was oh, definitely not for getting movie tickets, definitely not for getting movie tickets. You couldn't reserve your spot. So you had to sit, um, you had to come early and kind of sit wherever you could find a seat, but we, we managed to sit, uh, in a good place. And I remember watching it in just complete awe. This was probably my, the closest feeling I had, uh, of shock and awe as mm-hmm. what people describe their feeling is when they saw Star Wars on the big screen for the first time. Right. Um, because they hadn't seen it before. Now, when I saw Star Wars for the first time on the big screen, I'd seen it. So I kind of knew what to expect. It was still amazing, but this was just amazing. It just completely transformed. I mean, this is why it's movies like this that make people want to make movies um, mm-hmm. because it just evoked such strong emotions. And it's amazing to me how old it is because it's still, <laughs> it, it's still amazing. It, it held up really well. Laura Dern looks fantastic. I mean, she looks, she looks, she still looks great. Um, it, it's just awesome. It, it, it was really well written. It was well acted. The special effects are on point. The, the message is really great, but yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I thought a lot about that day rewatching this and uh, I think I watched it maybe th- two or three times. My dad was really cool about it. He took me back and we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So these, this, and this mm-hmm. was a, this was not a dollar theater. This was like a real theater where it was like $5, which was a lot of money if you're going to do it four or five times. So um, right. it was really cool. It was one of those that I definitely watched over and over and over again. So you and I are the same age. So we would have been, I think, 11 when this came out. So yeah, it's definitely definitely in kind of our formative years. And like you, I mean, when I went and saw this it, in the theater, it was, you know, not like anything else that we would have ever seen. It's kind of big. And like you said, it inspired a lot of uh, people who are on and making films now, uh, for sure. Uh, 
this book is fantastic. It's probably my favorite book. And it's, you know, this is definitely one of my favorite movies. Uh, so really excited to talk about it. Now, I have kind of a funny story about seeing this um, in the theater. So uh, next to my hometown uh, is, is another little town. And it has like one of those little like small like movie house kind of things where they'll just show like a like a Saturday show and then they'll do like a Sunday matinee. Um, so I think it was, it would have been the summer after, uh, because the other movie they were showing was Black Beauty, which came out that next summer, I think. Um, now, now my, my mom had taken my friend and I to go see, cause they were showing, uh, Jurassic Park and Black Beauty at this small theater. Uh, but she had the times wrong. So she took us and dropped us off to see the movie. So we did not get to see Jurassic Park. We got to see Black Beauty, uh, which I gave her a real hard time about. Uh, so the next day she took us back and we actually got to see Jurassic Park uh, <laughs> there in the theater. But was it better it, than Black Beauty? It was better than than Black Beauty was. That's true. Yes. Um, and like I mentioned, I had, I had the lunchbox. Uh, love dinosaurs love this and we talked a little bit about at the top of the show kind of the awards that it won and that you know John Williams didn't win but it was okay because he won for Schindler's List and Steven Spielberg uh, you know won for Schindler's List so that was quite the year for Mr. Spielberg so he had the he won the Oscar for having the best picture of the year and Mm -hmm. he also had this other little movie called Jurassic Park which made a billion dollars right so yeah, with a B, a billion, a billion with the B. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it spawned all the sequels. I mean, there was, you know, there was a book sequel to it, you know, the lost world, um, but, you know, it has carried on from there and, you know, kids now still are big into Jurassic park and, you know, still growing up with it. I know uh, your son has seen Jurassic park and has he probably, has. he's probably seen the newer ones as well. In, in addition to the older ones. So. He has. And you know what I do love about it, too, is that they bring back the original characters in different ways. Right. So even the, the, the second and third one, which were kind of panned by audiences, it didn't have the same magic. It didn't it wasn't the same. Um, but even then, in the newer ones, the Jurassic World, you know, Jeff Goldblum has made uh a guest appearance as Dr. Malcolm. um, And the message is still there, right? Like, hey, you know, world, if we mess with science and we don't stop to think about what we should be doing, we just worry about can we and doing it, we're going to create a world where we are the extinct. And I think Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, even 28 years ago or, you know, 35 years ago when this, when the book was actually made or written, it's still the same. It's still the same idea. It's still the same premise. And it's very true today, even if we're talking about something other than cloning. I mean, I remember learning in high school, you know, it was in the late, late nineties, um, learning about when we did the first cloning, we cloned, um, the very, I think it was a, a lamb. It was a sheep. We cloned yeah, a sheep. Yeah. The, yeah. The sheep. Right. Yeah. And, um, that was just amazing. And then we learned about, you know, all sorts of things and that spawned a bunch of stuff for like stem cell research and things that have extended our lives. But I do think that it's important to think about the, you know, the philosophical part of why are we doing things and should we be doing these things? Because, you know, we could create dinosaurs and that would probably be the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, I'm really glad some... this movie was made because you know, there's an Elon Musk of the dinosaur world that is like, oh, yeah. I bet I can do this. It will be perfect. It will be fine. 
Yeah, right now, right now there's an eccentric billionaire in like the <laughs> in like the land office uh, in Costa Rica trying to get his own island for sure. But right, right, right. Well, yeah. So anyone listening along with us, let us know uh, your experience with Jurassic Park, what you like about the movie, and how well you think it holds up and also you know tell us that it's one of your favorite movies too because that will make us feel better about it being one of our favorite movies and if you make a birds of paradise to go along with it take a picture of it um, or let us know um, how you like that one because it was excellent and highly recommend having that it makes watching Jurassic. it makes watching any movie better to have a birds of paradise though to be honest uh, really yeah, so true. so do that and Michaela we have an apple podcast review I thought we should share with everyone so this comes from SimsJW322, um, and he says, uh, your new drinking buddies, which I guess is uh, you and I, so he says, Brian and Michaela offer an unapologetic and unpretentious perspective on some of your favorite movies and have drink recommendations to boot. Easy and fun listening anywhere you go. 10 for 10 would recommend. And I would recommend giving thanks to SimsJW322. So thanks thanks for that. Nice five-star review. Those definitely help us out. Michaela, if any of our other listeners want to be awesome, uh, like SimsJW322 uh, here, uh, why don't you tell people where they should uh, go and do that? Absolutely. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. And we'd appreciate it if you subscribed. And if you like the podcast, just like SimsJW322, leave us a five-star review because it really helps us get the Drink the Movie stuff out there. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your friends, yeah, and make them a drink and watch a movie with them, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I think that I'm ready to go have another Birds of Paradise. Um, Probably time to watch The Lost World. Maybe, maybe I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just uh, skip ahead to Jurassic World. We'll just, we'll, we'll go from, go from there to there, but. Good plan. Good plan. Yes. But definitely with another Birds of Paradise because I'm out and I need more. That's right. All right. Well, we better go uh, stock up on some rum and get ready for the summer. And thanks everyone for joining us this week on. Drink. Drink the the movies. movies. That was pretty good. Happy birthday, Michael Robertson. This episode's for you.